The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the commentary booth where we watch and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator Jamie Apps and each week I'm joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week I'm joined by the host of The Pop Culturist to accompany me into the territory wrestling war of heels. Welcome to the show, Ryan Betson. Thanks for having me back, man. No, pleasure. As soon as I saw that this show was sort of the season was wrapping up. I didn't realize the show was wrapping up. I knew I had to get you in. Yeah. No, like, yeah, I, I obviously being a big, the big wrestling fan that I am uh, and the show was exceptional. I remember watching it uh, like when it first started, like during the lockdown days, I watched it with a mate of mine through like discord uh, and I instantly fell in love with it. Uh, Cause it kind of, it's, it had such this like legitimate respect for the industry uh, and as, as someone like myself who who works in the space, you know, so it's fun to be here in the commentary booth because I am a wrestling commentator now, which is exciting. Um, and sort of working in the biz and from a production standpoint for the longest time and sort of seeing them handle it with like legitness, like legitness, not a word, but, um, you know, giving it like absolute respect and demonstrating like the world of kayfabe and, and delivering it in such a way, even naming the episodes that just show that these people care in how they make this show. Um, it was lovely. So good. Such a good show. Yeah. I, I think that was probably like a bit of Stephen and Mel's influence having been him being a longtime wrestling fan and of course, yeah. being in WWE and AEW matches, it kind of made sense that mm. there was a bit of that reverence for the entertainment portion of wrestling. Yeah, very much so. Like, yeah, and obviously it made it even easier that he's in fact wrestled. So, you know, when it comes to him doing you know, stunts and spots and stuff, it was it was very, very cool. But that's season one stuff. Yeah. So before we dive into season two, just going to continue, even though it seems to have wrapped up, Pario Magazine stands in solidarity and support for the WGA and SAG-AFTRA in their fight for better working conditions. Our publication has always been focused on the creative brilliance of these individuals rather than on the business of film and TV. And as such, we will continue to highlight their creative talents during this time so that their contributions to our entertainment are not overlooked. Thankfully, the Writers Guild have got a good deal out of this so far. The tentative deal. Yes. Yeah, it's it's looking positive, but like, you know, silver linings. I think they've just got to vote on it now. Yeah, pretty much. So hopefully... Hopefully the Actors Guild is not too far behind. Well, and the the, the video game side of things also got, uh, they voted to strike this week. So it's getting everywhere, which is awesome. Yeah, the AI stuff is very concerning. I can see why why they want protection. It's one of those things. Like these fucks have so much money. Like these companies have so much money. And they're like, oh, we can't afford it. Bullshit, you can't. <laughs> Pay them. Pay them what they're worth because you wouldn't have any money to mess about with without these people, all right? Mm-hmm. Pay them. Simple. And, like, the one I always keep coming back to recently is Suits on Netflix. Yeah. Has been the highest rated show for the last, like, three months on Netflix. No royalties from that. 
Nope. Well, you know, Aaron Paul said it with Breaking Bad as well, which, you know, is insane because Breaking Bad is, if not the best show ever made, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's painful. It's rough. Okay. So this week we're returning to the Duffy Dome to immerse ourselves in the territory wrestling as the Duffy Wrestling League battles against Florida Wrestling Dystopia during season two of the pro wrestling drama series Heels. Before we break down season two and all of the recent news, do you want to just sort of go through your history with the show and where you're sitting at it with now that it's kind of wrapped up, sadly? Yeah, so I shared this story with you uh, in in Twitter DMs. Uh, so, for, as I mentioned, this this show came out during lockdown, right? So during came like one of our various lockdowns here in in Victoria. So it wasn't as gnarly for you. I spent a long time watching TV with my friends. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was still pretty hectic up here. Yeah. But like we had the harsh, harsh, like you can't even. Yeah. We just, we just kind of got it six months later. Yeah. You can't be near anyone kind of scenario. Um, You can't think about anyone. Uh, But yeah, so I ended up, I I did, I watched uh, heels during lockdown with my mate Craig. Um, and I loved the show. I adored the show. So, and I loved the the intro, the song, right? I forget what it's named, but it's it's incredible. And I love what I loved about it is it created this hot, larger than life feel, right? It felt really ethereal. And like even when the how it shot, and they're all kind of like you know sort of transparent, like you know looking in the clouds, like this holier than thou sort of feeling. And I loved it. And I adored that theme tune so much so that I had it on my phone as my uh, alarm. So I, every morning I'd get, and I was like, ah. however, uh, sadly, uh, in 2021, my marriage began to crumble uh, and it did end in the back end of that year. Um, and during that time, this is a real weird tangent, but in that time, that song was still my uh, alarm. Right, so every day for work, that's what it would what I would hear. So when I was, you know, at my mate my mate's house in in their spare room, um, missing my son and sort of just having a horrible time every day, that was what I would hear. So for the longest time, whenever I hear that song, it's actually very it was actually very difficult for me to listen to because it would flash me back to that time and I would get this nothing but sinking feeling in my chest, which is really hard for a show that I absolutely adored and I, I thought was brilliant. And every time I hear it, it was just like, oh, because I want to rewatch it and then I can't because it hurts. So it's been a couple of years. I have, I have myself a new partner now and, and she's lovely. And for whatever reason, she's open to the dumb, dumb shit that is wrestling. <laughs> and, you know, she comes to shows with me and has a great time. And I was like, Hey, there's this show, the new season's coming. I want to, would you want to watch it? Like now that you know a bit more about the business, would you like to, to watch the show? She's like, yeah, sure. Why not? And then I told her that Stephen Amell got his kid off and she was like, well, when can we start watching? <laughs> yeah. That's a good selling point. Yeah, even for me, I'm like, he gets his fucking kid off. It's awesome. Like, <laughs> so yeah, so her and I rewatched season one, and once again, it was really hard, like having to to experience that, you know, with my new like new partner and have, trying to hide that within me. But <clears throat> as we went through season one, then as you we went week by week with season two, like I noticed that it was starting to change. So as we kicked in for the season finale of series two. Uh, of season two, I should say, it was awesome because in that moment, I didn't have that sinking feeling anymore. It was replaced with 
a joyful feeling of getting it to share with my partner, Phoebe, because, you know, she had never, you know, she jumped into it and she cared and she committed and she's like, this show fucking rules. So like during the week, the next day after we'd watch it, she'd message me being like, I'm like, all right, cool. All the, all the thoughts and water cooler talk afterwards. Yeah. Which is awesome. And I love like pulling apart like TV shows and stuff, which is why when you said, Hey, you want to come talk kills? I'm like, fuck yes. I want to come talk kills. So like for me, this season alone is huge. Like outside of the show itself. Like I'm, I'm a big sentimental kind of person, right? Like it's just who I am. And I, I, I whether it be my neurodiversity or whatever, like in my brain, I c- connect things heavily to feelings. So like, it's so good to be able to switch that and turn it. It is disappointing that that may not happen again with the presumed cancellation of the show. But yeah, that's like my experience with the show. It's not about the show. That's just me. Like, you know, that. So yeah. As first I've said, I've said that like outside of myself or Twitter DM. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's like crazy to see how much it has changed just for you inside. Like, to go from something you loved to then kind of something you dreaded even hearing the theme song for to then slowly building that love back up again. Yeah. I don't think like, like dread's not the quite, the quite the word. It's like a sorrow, right? Like it's a, it's a pain. And, you know, it, it, I think you know, not to like, you know, jerk my own dick or nothing, but like, it's, it's like a testament to like my growth as a person as well um, to be able to, you know, move on try to move on from the past and become better and all those little things, which is, you know, a massive story of redemption, which we see in this show. It's probably one of the other reasons why I love it. I love redemption stories because admittedly for the longest time I've, I've been seeking my own redemption. So to see any media that shares that story is an instant win for me. You mentioned having it as your, your alarm tone. Mm. That's kind of always the danger of putting something you love as your, you wake up it alarm, is. you can start to despise that song quite quickly. Yeah. Thankfully, my ringtone is still uh, Adam Cole's AEW theme, and I'm not bad at that yet, so that's good. That's a great theme. That's a great ringtone. <laughs> How about yourself? Uh, so, yeah, I was fortunate enough to get season one early. Oh, you nerd. Got to binge watch the first season, which was very cool, rather than watching it week by week. Yeah, I did the same with The Last of Us, and it actually changed the viewing experience. Like, so it's oh, kind of, yeah. I'm very curious on what like you thought having to cram it all together. Uh, so yeah, basically that first season I enjoyed, but I didn't find myself being sort of super eager to watch each episode, like subsequent mm-hmm. episode. Like I'd watch in spurts, and I'd watch two or three, and then stop, and then come back and watch two, and then stop. Whereas this one, season two. I think by watching it week to week, I was eagerly anticipating oh, the new episode drops at like four o'clock. Four o'clock on a Friday. Yeah. I was like, yep, cool. I'm going to be there ready to watch it straight away. So it definitely changed the perspective on that. I thought season two was a better season, like more mm. compelling in terms of the stories. And it felt, it felt more real. Ah. It's still real to me, damn it. In terms of it, like being not so regional and local like hyper focused on oh it's just like this local town's promotion and it seems weird that like everyone comes to this show whereas in season two it was like oh no this is like your roh or your impact Mm. where it's not quite this grand national touring promotion but it's on that sort of second tier where 
a lot of people around the world know about this promotion and the ones that can get there get to check it out and watch the show, which I think, yeah, like I said, made it feel more real and more believable that Interesting. the DWL is a legitimate promotion. I have some counter thoughts to that, actually. Yeah. It's interesting. But I'll let you finish yours and we'll come back. No, that's, that's pretty much where I was at. Beautiful. So obviously you prefer season two to season one? Yes. So I, I, the, some of the things that you, the, the wording that you use there, I don't, I don't, I, dis, I don't disagree with it, but I don't, sorry, I don't agree with it, but I don't disagree with it. Either. It's a weird kind of line. So I do believe the season two uh, really kind of ramped up what I love about shows like this, which is character. And it's what I love about wrestling, right? It's character. So we're seeing a lot more of that, which is lovely. But what I felt watching season one, season one felt real and dirty and gritty, right? And real, like, to me, that felt like super real. This season, it felt like they really turned up the wrestling ham of it all and kind of got little sprinkles of like your 80s sort of wrestling, as in the, it was shot better. It was way more colorful. Like they've intentionally made these decisions to like shoot it differently. And like, there are moments where people have these incredible monologues, which didn't really exist in the first season as they're now sort of get these soap opery sort of moments, even in, which is uh, wrestling is just soap opera, by the way. And that's what's so good about it. So to be able to like really turn into that soap opera-ness, even with how the series, the season ended is very soap opera, which I love. Like it's one of those things where like I see it as a as an improvement, but you've got you know you diff- it's a different it's a different eras, right? You had almost like your not quite your attitude era, but like it was a little bit like that, and then you pivoted into this bigger, larger sort of era of the show. As someone that works within deathmatch wrestling, and I love deathmatch wrestling, I did really disagree with how they handled fwd in season one they kind of made out they're all fucking disgusting deviants and shit like and look we kind of are but like not to the extent that they said right we just like a different way of wrestling so i really liked that they kind of turned that part down a little bit and in season two demonstrated it's just an alternative it's a more extreme alternative rather than this you know mutation uh, mutilation whatever whatever right and they ramped up the you know the battling felt very you know wwe wcw sort mm-hmm. of stuff which yep. is really cool there's a lot more references to the outside wrestling scene when in the likes of wwe etc like there were hints at it in the past which is interesting in season one we get like mick foley come in as not mick foley but wwe exists so that's kind of a little thing but you know wrestling's full of continuity errors you know, we see a lot of characters pivot too. Like we see a lot of face turns, like uh, Wild Bill becomes the most inspiring person in all of television, apparently. Yep. And it's one of those things where you spend season one going, how did this guy get to presumably the WWE is what they're hinting at, right? Mm-hmm. Or WCW or some sort of larger promotion. Cause he fucking, he's a reckless and he's just abhorrent. And in here you see him go, oh no, you get it. Like you're one of those dudes that you have that mask. You're the weird opposite of Taker in that like you were in kayfabe all the time. Mm -hmm. So now you get to sort of pull out of that, which is exciting. And even to see some of the growth within like, you know, uh, Jack and Ace. And then we see the, you know, the bubbling undercurrent with, um, with the DWL and Willie and like, well, how is this all working? Because the first thing I thought in season one is I'm like, as someone that works in wrestling, how do they pay for this venue? This venue is insane. It's a massive venue. 
it's fucked. There is no way that anyone that has the 200, not even 200 people that are in that arena fund it. It's insane. However, to your point though, in super regional country towns, like these events happen, not wrestling, but like sports. Like we went, so for the promotion that I work for, we were doing a show in Shepparton, right? Which is the middle of fuck knows where in, in Victoria. So we went all to the surrounding towns to try and get people to come to the show. We went on a Saturday morning and the towns were dead because everyone was at the local footy ground. Yep. So the idea of everyone con- you know, congregating to a space makes sense. And the, it, it felt like one of those small towns where everyone knows everyone and like you can go to the shop and they know who you are, what you do. But I also love the idea that the entire town's in on it and that they know that they're all like, no, this is kayfabe. So we're, we treat, like if we don't see them together, we, you know, they're a prick and they're not really a prick. You know, I love that. Yeah, like even when they're going to like get petrol and stuff, they're treating treating the wrestlers as if they would at the arena. Yeah. It's so good. And they're like, hey, you, you know, we can't see Ace and, and Jack in the same car because they're like feuding right now, you know? And then, yeah, we see a bunch of other characters sort of get fleshed out. Like, like, uh, uh, like obviously Big Jim returns, which is great. And Bobby Pin, who I adore. Uh, and even Crystal, obviously ending season one in a big moment of winning the title. Uh, they find a way to work that in. Uh, she didn't take her shirt off once. So fucking character growth to her, which is <laughs> incredible. Like, you know, don't be wrong, I'm a dude. I love like, random nudity in TV shows. But, like, it, it felt odd. And, like, now that they've, like, grown her as a character, because that was the first thing. Because when I when I watched season one with my partner, I said to her, she, I said, watch Crystal. Like, just watch. Watch her growth. I'm not going to tell you what happens, but just watch it. And, like, I saw her literally go, Ugh! like, when she won the title at the, at, the, at the fair. So I was like, perfect. That's exactly what that show should be doing. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, like the eras. I definitely picked up on that. Like, I felt season one was your sort of territory wrestling days. Yeah, yeah. Smaller promotions. They mentioned going to New York. I don't think they ever said WWE, or they'd say like going up north. No, I, I think they hinted at Connecticut, up north to Connecticut, kind of what they implied. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they ever like specifically called out wwe whereas in this second season they say wwe they i'm pretty sure they say roh and tna they drop ray mysterio like they're like name dropping everywhere like they definitely got some license friendly licensing agreements to get those mentions in and even down to like season one they had what looked like a replica of naomi's wwe championship and they mocked it Mm -hmm. which was interesting decision and yeah, so like it kind of felt like they moved from that territory days where everyone was like very separate. We don't mention each other. We we refer to them, but we don't like blatantly call them out. Whereas then they shifted to this new era where we're in the sort of the Monday Night Wars, FWD versus DWL. It's well known there's these two promotions we're fighting against each other, much like WWE, WCW. Uh, they mention all the other companies and they even – surprisingly had some licensed footage from tna in there which was mm. shocking to see oh they because they did that in the back end of season one as well when they were showing fwd yeah when they first introduced and then strangely no like reference to AEW or even like i don't think they referenced like japanese wrestling or anything like no i would have loved to see a season three and we can start to be like oh yeah wrestling is global it's not just the US. 
like we'll discuss story beats in a moment, but you know, the story that they were leading to is like this idea that they get acquired essentially. So that would create that globalization. They're going to get a buttload of funding presumably like they can do all this that the other and then that world becomes a thing so it wouldn't surprise me if we saw like some some presume like their version of njpw or something like that but even then yeah it was it's very interesting how they sort of acknowledge the bigger but not really because they they talked about you know how wrestling being like a billion dollar industry which it literally is Mm -hmm. it's crazy and i love that there was even one point where they they recreate the invasion angle yeah right down to the tank and everything i was like that's really cool there's lots of Lots of like Easter eggs and love for wrestling. Like if you're a wrestling fan, every episode you're picking something and be like, oh, that's a reference to this thing. That's what I'm saying. That that handles that like that respect for the business. Not as many cameos as I saw in this season. Like obviously last season we saw uh, Mick Foley. Obviously CM Punk came in, but he came in as a recurring character. So it sucks be him to get essentially fired from a second job this month. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not a great run. No, 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 no. Uh, Luke Gallows I saw in season one. I didn't really see anyone else sort of pop up, even in like background characters. I don't know, unless I, unless I missed some. Yeah, there was a fair few. Who else popped up? So the independent wrestler Luke Hawks is like the bald guy that's like the FWD's like second in charge guy. Like he's the one that like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He walks around. He looks like a dominatrix. Yep, yep. <laughs> All the like BDSM gear on. Mick Foley was back. Damien Sandow. Wait, Foley was back where? In, I'm pretty sure he was in like a podcast episode. They had him in like a oh, podcast okay. somewhere. Uh, Damien Sandow, Jordan Grace. Oh, yes, of course. Nick Aldis, when they're at the FWD arena, they're all the rest, like part of the wrestlers standing around the ring. Yes. And Crystal goes up against Serena Deeb in a match as well. She does. And of course, obviously AJ Lee as well. And then AJ Lee was the other big one was like, oh. Oh, I forgot about, this is the one downside of my brain and watching weekly is I don't remember the half their shit. Yep. Oh, I forgot about Serena Deeb. That was a good, I just a good spot. I did say that. I was like, holy shit, that's rad. Because then I had to explain who Serena Deeb was to my partner because she didn't understand why I popped. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's like one of the fun things with watching these sort of wrestling shows. Like, you know, they're going to have wrestlers in the background mm. of episodes and stuff. And I remember- even season one, they had, I'm pretty sure Sick Nick Mondo was one of the like random dudes you see in like a locker room walk in the background because he had like sick mm. written across his forehead. And I was like, <laughs> that's a random indie wrestler to have in the background. Like, okay, cool. And I was shocked when I looked up some of the info on this show in terms of the creators created by Michael Waldron, who also created, was a writer for Community, Rick and Morty. The Loki TV series, uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and Avengers Secret Wars. I was like, wow, this guy's written a lot of a lot of stuff I liked and a lot of stuff that hasn't been so great recently. Well, see, that's the thing. So like when you mentioned, I was like, I know that name. And you said community, I'm like, boom. And that explains how we got that connection to uh, whether it be Rick and Morty or, or Disney with the Russo brothers uh, heading over from their time on community over to like the Avengers. There's some stuff in the middle, but like, you know, you can draw the line. Mm-hmm. So that explains that. But yes, there are some hit and, some strong hit and misses. Uh, but it was one of the, very similar to how like the Avengers movies, you can see the skills in Russo's from community where they're able to really show and, and uh, how they work with the dynamic cast. And we saw that here. Like one of the big things you notice from season one to season two is everyone becomes important. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Like it's not just the spades. Like everyone becomes important in season two. And I think that's a wrestling thing too. Like when a promotion first starts out, you have like the four or five guys that are mm. the key to the promotion and then they slowly build them up. Like AEW now, kind of anyone on that roster can be thrown in and you look at them as a legitimate contender. Whereas in that sure. first year it was Jericho, Bucks, Cody, and the zit. Mox, Jericho, Bucks, Cody, or Pack, maybe. Kenny. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're not like at the top of the card. Whereas now it's like, oh, we can chuck an orange Cassidy in there and it's believable to have him at the top of the card. Yeah. That was a nice again echoing the wrestling world. What did you think of Jack Spade and Ace Spade in season two? Once again, face turns. Uh, especially Ace. Huge face turn. Massive, yeah. And I think that was really good. I, I think they they, made, they went a little hard on it, but I think it worked. And because initially you're like, well, why are you making such this like, pr- you know, prophetic sort of thing? And then as you realize throughout the season, it's like this is him essentially realizing what was hurting him, which was the loss of his father and how he had channeled that incorrectly. And then now he's at a position where he's looking, he's like, my dad controlled my life in that he made me do all these sports, made me this competitor, but told me I couldn't do this one thing that I'm actually really good at and I really enjoy. But even in his death, he is still controlling me because how I feel, how I act, how I respond is all because of his reactions. So I really liked that. And sort of ha- even his mum had that huge turn because I thought she was a right bitch for like <laughs> all of the first season, even in the beginning of season two. And then very quickly I went, oh, no, you're just hurting differently. Okay. Yeah, she just can't be around wrestling anymore because of it all. Yeah, and she had those little moments where she sort of like chipped away and you got to see a bit of it. And, you know, even in the final episode of season one where she like is happy to watch the 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 show and then kind of, you know, when they implode on each other as they do which is really cool. I did like, you know, Jack's growth as well, even sort of painfully watching his marriage fall apart also in kind of a set in, in kind of a, uh, not an entirely a mirrored way, but a big part of my marriage was that I, I undiagnosed ADHD at the time. I just, I channeled my in shit where I shouldn't have. I focused more externally than I did it, than I should have internally is within the house that I lived in. You know, like in the same as Jack, like I cared about my family and I cared about my son and I gave them everything. They never went without. But like part of me was always somewhere else, Mm -hmm. whether it be making content, working wrestling, doing this, doing that, like all these other things. So it was very interesting to sort of see that here. And thankfully they got a much nicer outcome than mine. But if anything, admittedly, my outcome is pretty fucking good now um, in that like we're all good. My son, I see my son whenever I want. And all it's silver linings everywhere as I'm getting that. But like- to see that and even to see how Stacy sort of flipped as well. And I was trying to think about it because I, I was at the gym before I came here trying to like remember the show. And I don't remember how she turned as well because she was like viciously against. And then she kind of came back. I think she sort of realized how important it is to them and how it like, because there's a lot of conversations in this about like why they do it. And it's, and it's, it's it's powerful in that you know like people why would you do this every week in like the fucking shitty rundown hall and it's one of those things because you know and it, it's the same as myself I, when I work these shows I get to do something that's greater than me you know I I get to be in a room I I get to put a headset on I get to play a character that is Betson 
It's just me amplified. And I'm there just to make people look good. And I get to live this world that is different. And everything that exists outside goes away for a moment. So I think explaining that in the show is really good to understand, to sort of demonstrate to people like why they do this. And I think having a character reflect that and go, oh, I get it. And then the idea is like, it, it shouldn't be the divider. It should be what brings us together because that's what it is. Wrestling is, it's it's a place where misfits get to come together and not be, you know, at misfits and outcasts. And they have to come to a space where they are not outcasts anymore. They are part of, a, of an incredible community that cares and supports each other. And even though there's like fucking inter-promotional rivalries and stuff, at its core, it's family, but not in like the wanky way, but in like those that care for each other. Because uh, we all know what it's like to not be wanted, so it was kind of cool to experience that in the show as well. But like, what about you? What you? How do you think the spade sort of grew? The boy was barely in it, by the way. I just realized where was their kid? Yeah, he was kind of just off. They went. He. We can't explain. Like, there's squirrels in the roof. He lives in the roof now. Go, kid. <laughs> He's just at school all the time, all day, every day. <laughs> but yeah, Ace. Ace had like for me, perhaps some of the the most growth in this season. Yeah. Him and him and Crystal, I think, grew incredibly. Yeah. Uh, Jack, yeah, had a big like arc throughout it where he was bad guy, then like slowly trying to come back to being a good guy, and yeah, his whole marriage breakdown was very rough to watch. And I think yeah, he went through that whole deal of it's that age old question of like why why would you do wrestling? Like it's you get paid very little, it hurts a lot, but for some reason. People can't stop, but they have to just keep going once they find that love. And I think that's passions. Like people can't generally can't explain why they do it. Like I've found interviewing people when my first question is always, who are you outside of this passion? They're all like, uh, I don't know. That's, that, that is me. Yeah. And like with that in mind, I think one of the greatest things this show did, and sorry, I think this, this kind of explains a bit more about the spades is that the show and the way it's written, like they, blur that line between like kayfabe and the outside world and what's work and what shoot seamlessly like beautifully like obviously it's all fucking work but like you know like within the show's uh law and um continuity like they blur so often and you're like wait why are you because even like jack like, that was a big thing it's like i you know you aren't really a heel yeah the real jack right I'm like, well, where is that line? What's the separation of the two? Yeah, and he's in like tractor sales and lawnmower sales. So he's a great salesman. I'll give him that much. And yeah, I think Ace is the one where that division becomes a lot more clear towards the end of the season when he starts. It blurs something fierce as the when he starts creating the condemned, which is still a fucking a funny name. <laughs> uh, but yeah, as you sort of see the separation, yeah, you are correct. It does kind of. Yeah, especially when he gets that. Uh, like nursing home job that's when he really yeah. separates like oh i don't have to be the same guy all the time everywhere like i can just be ace at home versus ace at the duffy dome yeah which is i think a, a lesson a lot of wrestlers sort of go through as well early on in their careers like oh wait i don't have to be the same guy all the time especially in the indies it's really tough because you can't really do characters in the indies per se like you can't be the Undertaker in the Indies because everyone's kind of like, you know, fans are try to be Marks all the time, right? Or Smarks, so they're all like, mm -hmm. but like, 
so most people just kind of play themselves or a variant of themselves or parts of their personality amplified. So no one really has characters per se. There are some, like one of the greatest ones ever is a, he's now a mate of mine, which is even better. Uh, his, his character was Micho the tradie, right? So he would come out in fluoros and an esky when he won the championship, the, cha- the belt lived in the esky. It was awesome. <laughs> but like when he left, it wasn't him. Same as another uh, incredible Victorian wrestler is Edward Dusk. Like I'd know him personally. He's here in Geelong. He lives here in Geelong as well. And like when you see Dusk and when you see, I won't drop his shoot name just in case. Edward. Uh, when you see, when you see Edward or, or Dusk, like they are the polar opposite and it's awesome. But they have put so much work into defining their character that it's believable. Even when it's supernatural and weird, you're like, this rocks right and like you know we see that here in the show right like you know look at bobby pin trying to find his character and it's not quite there and it's like just be you and then you got the dad which i i'm glad he kind of got forgotten a little bit i liked that character i thought that was a funny yeah it was funny <laughs> but like... like you gotta have those funny silly characters in wrestling otherwise it's not wrestling oh i i, I love comedy wrestling I, lo- I adore comedy wrestling but yeah so i think you're on a good point there is like you know especially in that, that lower promotion standpoint, it was it's kind of interesting to have the condemned. And even then at the start of the show season, when he brought that character and everyone's like, this is dumb. Like how, how did no one realize that he rigged a zip line? <laughs> I did like that self-referential stuff. Like you didn't have enough time to tell me, but you had enough time to rip up a zip line. Brent. Ah. But then as the series, as the season progressed, like people started really like committing to the bit and being like, oh, which is nice. Yeah, this 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 random supernatural guy is just coming out of the blue and fighting us all and destroying everyone here, and we don't know who he is or how he's doing it. And really, it's just Ace with a bit of black eye paint. <laughs> yeah, and everyone, I think everyone, it's one of those moments where like he, everyone went, oh, it's Ace. But I also do love, by the way, small reference. Uh, he looks exactly like uh, a Stephen Amell's character of Oliver Queen in The Arrow. Like even mm-hmm. down to just the fucking paint across, like not like a domino mask, just smeared paint across his eye holes. Yep. And like part of me wants to go like, are they just ribbing Stephen Amell as well? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like the uh, Clark Kent versus Superman. Like, how does nobody know it's him? Mm. But that's wrestling. You just you separate those things. That's wrestling. Yeah. And, and yeah, we mentioned some of the side characters getting a lot more focus as well. Namely, sort of Willie. She got a lot more story. Willie got a lot. She was getting a bit towards the end of season one with the whole dynamic between her and Wild Bill. Mm-hmm. But this season, she definitely got a lot more play in terms of what shady business is she doing within the business? You realize very quickly that she has that matriarch role, right? In that she's the one that is holding all this together in the background. And like, no one really knows. And like, it, even when they show, uh, what's the other woman's name that works at the, at the Dome? I know who you're talking about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she's even, she, you see, she's kind of in like, not in the shadows. Like she's there, but just to kind of like to do that part while Willie does all the stuff in the back. Um, and then you see sort of her family dynamics as well. And how, you know, she's essentially like, well, kind of barely a functioning alcoholic. And it's just like, you know, she has the thing of like, what we're, what we're seeing is obviously as someone that's also worked in mental health and I, I care about those things. And especially when it comes to discussions of trauma, like we're very learning very quickly that like each of these characters do have this moment of trauma that sets them on this particular path. And we all have that in the, in the, in the real world. 
So it's interesting to sort of see how each character handles that moment. And I think that's what we sort of see here, whether it be Ace with his father, you see Jack with his father, but also with his marriage and, and, you know, Willie, we see sort of what would have been, you know, there was a divide, I think when like early on where she should have gone and done more, but didn't. And then wild bills in the same moment where, you know, when Willie left him to be with, to be, um, king spades whose name escapes me uh tom tom yeah i think so tom tom uh tom's valet instead and how that like cut him deep and how everything he's ever done since is simply so he doesn't have to feel that again like oh character growth everywhere that i think that's what made this season so much more enjoyable for me because you weren't sort of cutting off to go oh let's go focus on this story for a little bit and it was a story you didn't really care about because the character wasn't given much sort of prominence but without those things without those little seeds in season one we wouldn't care about him now oh yeah 100 yeah so it's like well why do we give a shit about bobby pin and it's like season two you're like oh this is why i should care about bobby pin and like it's all because of that that key moment back then yeah stacy she had a lot more to do with it and again i would have liked to see that whole dynamic where she kind of assumes the willy role moving forward but that's kind of disappeared and Crystal, the Crystal character and like the whole way her story kind of brings in the whole women's wrestling revolution and movement as well. I thought that was very well done. Oh yeah, because, and they even tackled the conversation around intergender wrestling. So I personally love intergender and or no gender wrestling, you know, however you want it, whatever vernacular you wish to use. Um, I think it's incredible because A, wrestling's fucking predetermined, spoilers everyone. So like everyone in the ring is agreeing. You know, it's, it's, it's fun. You can tell twice as many stories, you know, and it's, it's rad. And like, they addressed it in the show to be like, well, Hey, here's real footage. I think it was of like a football player decking some girl. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, we can't run that anymore. We should make women's division. And I kind of, I wish they kind of kept it more intergender throughout the season, but like, I can see why, like they hinted at it and go, look, this is why it's a contentious issue. So we're going to do this. Yeah, uh, I know. I hate this, the whole division, especially like being in and around PWA who have been doing the intergender thing for a long time and mm. they slowly phased it out and now it's just, it's wrestling. Like if you're on the roster, you're on the roster. It doesn't matter yeah. what gender, whatever. Like, Yeah, because so, so same goes for Deathmatch Down Under, which is the promotion that, that I work for primarily and, and MXW. Both of them have, yeah, so right now, uh charlie rose is the the title holder for mxw and she's just wrestled dudes the whole time which is awesome you know dmdu it's like it's it's gore as the champion at the moment but like you know delta who if you're in australian wrestling you never know who delta is because she's brilliant delta (laughs) oh there you go boom delta i like she's lovely too by the way so like you know we see it all the time and like these no gender matches are inc- like they're incredible, and I find them way more fun and way more compelling. And like, if you look at the likes of WWE or AEW, like you watch when you know a lot of these a lot of these wrestlers were on the indies, they did Ripper into gender. Like there's that uh, awesome Cedric Alexander Candice LeRae match mm-hmm. from like way back. You know, it's like Chris Statlander and like doing a bunch of awesome stuff. Um, it, yeah, it does feel really kind of like eh, and like old. Oh yeah. Because like even in the show, like in in the season finale, they had a women's title match. It was El Dorado, which was AJ Lee versus uh, Crystal, and the belt was nowhere to be seen. Oh yeah, that was weird. 
Yep. And I, I don't really like they did the what's well, a woman's belt, so let's make it white. Lame. Oh, yeah. Always away. That's a little that's 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 a greater wrestling nitpick that I have, not just the show. So like that's really me bringing in my own biases in. Yeah, that's a very WWE thing that's kind of filtered down. Like, oh yeah, the women's belts have white straps for some reason. I guess at least they didn't go with pink. That is true. There was no butterflies to be seen. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh god, that Divas title. That was bad. <laughs> what a bad design. I like the concept, but if it didn't look like a tram stamp, it'd be okay. Like you can have an effeminate title, but don't make it look like a really bad tattoo from 2002. So yeah, the Crystal storyline was great. I thought she was fantastic. Um, I loved like seeing her growth even from season one, like the the parking lot fight and she hits the like- Yeah, just run as that dude. Head scissors run. I was like, whoa, what a moment. <laughs> and it was cool to sort of see her play that back in that match with Serenity and El Dorado, like hitting those moves still as well. But I really liked how they tackled that as well in terms of they, you know, they're like, she's like, I'm top shit here. And this is, I'm so excited. And then the next show, the next episode, essentially of season two, she comes in and you realize, and she realizes that she's not like the top women, woman. Cause like, Hey, here's AJ Lee looking the fittest. I think she's ever been in her entire life. I don't think she's more muscle than human. Mm. She's looking great. And then she's doing all this flippy doodah shit and it's like incredible, you know, and then she talks about the, 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 the challenge of being an indie wrestler as it's like, well, I'm never really going to get a title. I'm just going to go from town to town. And, and she's kind of like reflecting on, I think that's what sort of pays off at the back end of the season as well with Crystal being like, no, I'm going to stay here. You know, these are the guys that gave me my shot. I'm going to, I'm going to support them. And I'm in the same boat, even like I have nothing but love and admiration for the the promotions that gave me my shot and I would never step away from them. And like, she brings up the whole idea of to be a woman in wrestling. It's not like you're, there's multiple spots on every show. Like there might be two spots on a show and one of them's going to be the local woman. Yeah. And even in like the big promotions in the real world, like, I don't know why no one's giving women the matches. Yeah, there might be one one or two women's matches. It's like, oh, that kind of sucks. The AEW pay-per-view recent was it all yeah, all in had like one. Yeah, it had the women's match. It had the title match, that was it. Like the biggest stadium in like the biggest show in the world. Athena was on like the pre-show, maybe? No. I think that so. might have been all out. Oh uh, that was all out, yes. Tangent. Heels. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, you can't have to tell I'm like ADHD is all hell and it's the end of the end of the day. Meds are gone. To be fair, I th- maybe undiagnosed <laughs> just a little bit yeah man welcome to the party yeah welcome to the party pal it's pretty cool yeah cm punk aj lee great to see those two sort of in wrestling again together yeah oh yeah that was a nice moment until i realized it realized cm punk's an arsehole and always has been and while bill uh hickok hancock he had a great sort of storyline in this one with a surprising uh role as an angel God? Yeah, that was that was rad. As he's like, he's doing these like C-list movies and that's how he's sort of funding his shit. Yeah, these crazy like Christian, random Christian movies and making making bank apparently. Mm. So. But even, you know, like I said, with him, like he became this mentor character, which I really love. And he, and then it kind of, it, it's one of those things where it, when you see that and you see who the real wild Bill is, you start to go, oh, this is why you did all these things. 
Pardon me, like you realize that every time he's trying to get up of someone, it's trying to pull something out of them, right? Like not a response for you. Part of it was a response for him, but it's kind of like, do it. Give me, you know, give me what that's in there. Give me that fire. Give me that passion, right? So even in, I think it was the second last episode uh, where, uh, you know, Jim was kind of like having this struggles at home and how he couldn't talk about it. And then he comes in, they're doing a promo class and he says something and Bill's like, poke, poke, poke poke and builds this incredible promo and that's when like wrestling is its best when it blurs the you know the the kayfabe and the real and the outside world and smushes it together until we don't know where it is it's why the series is so good but like yeah and then um like diego gets in as well and then at the end they goes and that's how you promo and i'm <laughs> like fuck i thought they got super real heated for a minute there yeah it was i think that's like the cool thing like that's what you want your veteran talents to be doing like yeah to be giving those lessons without getting into sort of the preachy mode of like, oh. Yeah, or without just like teaching and like, you know, giving them lectures. It's like. Let the person learn it themselves by just dealing with you, not mm. this is what you got to do. Because people don't always take that on in that way. They kind of. I know. Like sometimes you teach people that way and they just, they do it because, well, this is what you said to do. Like they don't understand this is why I have to do it this way. Yeah, and like in a world that's as dynamic as wrestling, like you can't just be told how to do it. Otherwise, everyone would still like you know the the uh, luchador scene wouldn't be as big. Like we would, there's all these things that just wouldn't happen because someone would you know we would all still be wrestling like Hogan in the eighties, yeah. right? You know things have changed, and I because as someone myself, and I, I, it sounds like you might be the same, Jamie, is that like the shepherding, right? I don't like I. Um, if someone like I, I much rather be given my fence and go. You can do whatever you want in here, but these are the restrictions that you have, and we'll shepherd you around. I'm like, no, 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 don't look over there. Look over here. Think about it. You're getting stuck over here, and that's what we saw in in how Bill was teaching here, which I think is actually the best way to teach. Is he's sort of going like, no, 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 over here. Like I'm, I'm pushing you. I'm nudging you. Like, yeah, because even even in that promo, he's like, you've lost me. Bring it back. You know, he's like, there's one of those little moments where he's like, is he, is he fighting him? And he goes, hold it, bring it over here. And he's like, oh, no, he's working. This is great. And I think they do that with the Crystal character as well. They kind of get her to realize, oh, wait, we need to go this direction with your character and get her to come back to FWD, uh, DWL from FWD. I wish they'd separated mm. those names a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's a, that's a good point because I think we've kind of hit all the, all the, the DWL characters. What do you think of Gully in season two? I thought he was super fun. He was so good. He's yeah. He comes off as like a crazed maniac, like very sort of ECW Paul Heyman. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And like for me, what I got is I got neurodiverse. That's the character that I got. I'm like, this dude's ADHD is all fuck, right? Oh, yeah. Because he's committed, he's passionate, and like doesn't, you know, it's one of those things where like you he has this. And I, they really fleshed it out here because in the season one, he just was just a prick, right? But in season two, you go, no, no, this dude is a businessman. And like, yes, what he does is unideal in sort of how he pushes people and the, and the way he works, but he is good at what he does and he fucking cares, you know? So you see him sort of evolve, but still be him even down to the season finale with him being like this is how it's got to go this is what we've got to do because you know have, we have to have a working relationship but it's going to benefit us both but you're too blind to see like you he's very emotive he's runs on emotion but he's not like he's also very logical and undertone of it all where a uh, sorry where jack is 
purely emotion all the time. Oh, yeah. The Gully character is definitely business-minded. He's fantastic in sort of the promotional aspect as well. We see him, like, randomly, like, after something happens, he's like, right, get the camera out. We're cutting a, a promo and chucking it on YouTube and Twitter straight away, like, so quickly. Nails it, first take. The whole idea of Gully is God popped me really hard. I don't know why. I just look that felt very Paul Heyman, very Eric Bischoff. You know, it had that real like he not not quite Tony Khan. He doesn't quite have that love. Maybe when like first year of AEW, I guess. But like he they had this idea that like he is the dude. And like whatever he says is fucking gold. And even down to like everyone goes there and they're impressed by him and all these things. And like they the FWD, whatever the hell building they called it, you know, was kind of cool. Like it was like awesome sort of venue, oh, like this big bar mixed. Con- I would love to work that. That place. looks like a sick venue. That was great, and yeah, that sort of had TNA old school TNA vibes too, like with the elevated mm. ramp and stuff. Like that's such a fun venue. Seeing him guiding uh, Rooster in his promo, that was very much more of the Vince style, Vince McMahon style promo, where it's like speed it up, do this, do this. Like yeah, you need to talk louder or quieter or something and Brewster's like kind of not taking it we'll see that in Jack as well with him like you say is exactly how it's written yep which is very Vince so seeing that as well which was also which was pretty cool yeah and that's that's another one of those weird like this isn't quite indie wrestling but it's not quite top level wrestling because Mm. indie wrestling they're very much kind of just like okay you've got this much time you're against this guy this guy's winning here are the dot points do this, do that, don't do this. We trust you, have fun. Like the amount of run sheets I've seen when it's comms and like <laughs> six matches and like four of them are we trust you, have fun. This guy's winning. These are the couple of things you have to hit. Yep, they're over. This is the final spot. This is the story. We'll cut these promos after. Go nuts. What's your finish? Okay, that's that. Okay, they're doing that finish. You can't do that one. You got to do something else. Yeah, you can't do a low blow because they're doing one. All right, who's going outside? Are you going outside? Well, I'm sorry, you can't go outside because they're main. Like, that's pretty much how it is, and it's fun. Watching it, like, I don't know whether you've seen a complete site with tangenting again. Um, like, I don't know whether you've ever been at, like, an indie show, like, during that day, that day, and, like, watching them all, like, plan it all is incredible. Like, I took my son to a show recently, and he's six, and he's starting to get into wrestling as well, which is awesome. Oh, it's the best. Oh, yeah. So, I could, like, he was sitting there and just watching, like, he, for some reason, he clicked with Kid Valiant and Broderick Valentine because mm-hmm. they were planning their spots and they're all quite flippy and high fly stuff. And he's just like locked in. Like, and because my kid's a little ADHD kid too, right? So he's just like, Pew! and like he complete hyper focus went onto them and he's watching it. He could see it and he's feeling it. And I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. Like it's an experience. Like seeing it outside of the match is a whole different experience. And like, yeah, it's so so good. And then like I think the show captured that energy as well. Like we never we never really see them rehearse the sh- the matches as much. We see them talking through it, but it's in much more of a grander way, not just two dudes sitting in a fucking hallway of a community center being like, "Well, I'm going to do this and that and da, 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 you know." Being at shows early for the the wrestling cards recently, watching them uh, plan out matches, it's like this is very much a dance. It is compared to like you watch it in the ring, like actual match, they're hitting each other and it takes away that dance aspect. But then when you're watching the pre-show, like running through spots, it's like, oh yeah, they're dancing. And it's very strange to see that dichotomy. Yeah. And you see that trust in each other, which is, which is crazy. And which is interesting because we see in the season finale, back to Gully, like when they, the entire final sort of spot of their 
versus card is, you know, that Jack turns and he's like, fuck it, fuck DWL, FWD is where it's at. And like, it worked within their wrestling, within the characters, it worked within the show. It was awesome. And it's like, oh man, this is gnarly. Like, oh yeah, he got real heat when he yeah. turned on the, the local town. I got real, I gave him real heat because I didn't see it coming. I was like, you fuck, that's a good, that's a good story beat. You suck. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing I hated about that whole final match was in the lead up, he's practicing like trying to become a higher flyer again. And his ghost dad is being like, that's not you. Don't do it. Don't do it. And then when it got to the match and he's like, they're climbing up onto the like stadium part and they're about to dive off. I'm like, Oh, this is going to end so badly. And then when it didn't, I was kind of like, okay, cool. It didn't, it didn't end badly. And then it ended badly. This is the thing. So I was watching that because well, like, uh, we've hit all the characters talk story bits, right? Let's talk season finale. So I'm watching the show and everything's getting like nicely bowed, right? Everything's lovely. Aside from like, how are we paying for all this? The you know, people from the, from the net, from the whatever streaming service are loving it. They're having a great time, you know, and all this stuff, the other, it's like, win, 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 win. I'm like, well, where's the losses? Like we've seen this show. This show is drama. Like where's the drama? And then we see little hints of it and we see like, you know, while Bill clenches arm, I'm like, oh no, he's going to have a heart attack. That's going to be the killer. No. Swerve. The best swerve. Because I was like, and then we see the, the moon, the, sorry, the um the moonsault stuff. Shooting star, yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and we see that and like he lands it. I'm like, because for me, what I saw that as is early in the, you know, in the past two seasons, what we've seen is we've seen Jack be dictated by his father. Even in his passing, he's dictated by his dad. And in this moment, this is him going, no, 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 I'm going to be my own man and I'm going to try this. I'm going to show you that I can do something just because even if you said I could, mm-hmm. or in my mind or whatever. And he lands it. I'm like, yes, eat a dick, Tom, you piece of shit. <laughs> and then he's like, uh, my back hurts. I can't feel my legs. I'm like, oh, no. no. <laughs> and then I went, oh, no. Oh, my God. Gully's going to think he, he fucking pulled out. Cause like, that's the most, like that's Ace's entire M sorry, Jack's entire MO, this whole, whole series. And he's like, shit. But like, and then how do you like, it's one of those moments where Gully can be mad because yes, it wasn't the finish they agreed to, but he got hurt, but he only got hurt because he did, uh, he went off script. Do something ridiculous that he didn't need to do. Yeah. So it's like, it's still, it's like that moment of he should be mad, but he shouldn't but he should. So like, they're still rooted. And then on the back of that, you're like, oh man, even, you know, cause the woman from the network is like having a grand old time on the ringside. And they're like, well, we're going to buy both these companies, these companies rule. And force them to work together. It's like, oh. Yeah. And like, we've got so much debt that they were rooted, whatever happens. And I was like, oh shit. All right. Fascinating. All right. Great season finale. I'm like, bullshit. We're not going to get any more. What's your thoughts? I-, I thought the same. It ended on this incredible cliffhanger. It was exciting and sad. It was all the emotions wrapped up into one. And then today's news ruined all of my excitement and fun for season three. Yeah, literally. I sent the tweet to my partner and I just got a message going, get fucked. And then so she joined me at the gym tonight and she's like, I'm still mad. I'm fuming. Because I, I, I spent all of like the, the beginning of the week because we watched um, the series finale uh, this weekend. 
Um, and she's like, I've been talking to all my all my friends at work because they're like, what you get up to? She's like, oh, I watched this show. And then she, and then they got, then they got into the show as well. Oh no, that's the worst. I know it's the worst part. And she's all like staring and so excited about how the show ended on this awesome cliffhanger. She's like, I can't wait for the, you know, it was lot, you know, for me, it was hard enough. We had to wait from like 2021 to 2023. I'm like, that's a, such an insane amount of time. And then she's like, oh, this is bullshit. I need to know what the next how can they end it like that? I'm like, how are they going to end it like that forever? I hope another network picks it up. Unlike Glow, which also ended abruptly, I think there's a potential here to go elsewhere because Stars is kind of a fledgling, yeah. you know, network. It's not like a Netflix. It's not, it's not Netflix who are going to charge you a fortune to take the rights to their show. Like I think Stars might let it go at a relatively decent cost. In the same way that like community shifted over to, what was it, Yahoo or from NBC or whatever, like it's possible that someone might pick it up. Like shit, it wouldn't even surprise me if like, you know, someone over at Turner like jumps on it and goes, well, you've, we've got, you know, we've got AEW, like we can grab this and we can do some work because, you know, maybe not with CM Punk, but like, you know, I mean, like maybe Peacock will pick it up as well. Like who knows? Like, there's clearly an interest for it. I don't, we don't know what the ratings are, obviously, or how successful the show has been. And I'm also very aware that within my echo chamber, which is wrestling, like, I'm like, everyone loves this show. Like, no, no, no. In my space, everyone loves this show. Yeah, even looking at a lot of the reviews from sort of the general TV review crowd, it seems to be pretty well received. It just, I'm not sure how big an audience it got because of the platform it was on. So mm. yeah, like a, a Turner would be a great idea because what AEW is one of their highest rated programs every week. So this would be sort of that perfect intro type show where, Hey, it's not a hundred percent wrestling. It's kind of a drama series that'll bring in that sort of maybe female audience a bit more and then introduce them to the wrestling. In the same way that they started doing uh, road to the top, right. To try to get that divas sort of audience. Right. Or Bellas, both those series. So there might be an appetite over there. Like it'd be it'd be potentially awesome for for those that are willing to step outside of the wrestling and into that acting space. Um, certainly a good stepping stone, perhaps. Like that's fantasy. We just fantasy booked a whole show, like the booking of a show. But uh, <laughs> but who knows? And like I'm sure Stephen Amell has enough money to potentially like buy this out and make it a show for himself. Like he's a major star in this show, so it kind of sucks for him that it's gone. So I could see him like helping sort of fund it and like help this find a new home. Look, I'm not quite sure what that CW money was like towards the end. Cause like Arrow kind of got lost a lot of love in the mm. end, but like, I mean, if he was smart when Arrow was popping, like hopefully he kept some cash, but you know, maybe obviously this is the thing as well. Cause obviously he's, he himself has worked with WWE he himself has worked with AEW. Like I'm sure he could pitch it somewhere if he was to get on that. But, the likelihood of that is hard. Yeah. Even like YouTube TV in the US, like they're probably, all, they're, oh, yeah. I'm sure they're always on the search for more content and things like that. Hulu, there's all pla there's yeah, plenty yeah, of places yeah. that uh, could go land. It's just a matter of whether it does. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Once again, like that Warner Discovery, like with Max or whatever, like they're going to need more services, even though they're just, just canceling everything at the moment. So maybe not, you know. Yeah. Fingers crossed it finds a new home because that ending for it to end on that that's kind of that's in mindhunter territory where it just ended on this horrible ending where you're like i wanted the next season more than i wanted this current season mm. so we'll see it's hard it, it, it's it's painful 
<laughs> in like all it's because then you also sort of see like you have like the sad ending of jack right but then you also like the positive of like well what happens when they get funded with all this money mm-hmm. like what does that mean from a production standpoint within the show like what does this mean for ace because like you said see the adulation of ace and they're like that he finally got his moment and now it's gone yeah it's it's almost like season one where they took it away from him and he got his moment and he's been traumatized again because now his brother is potentially paralyzed. So it's like, yeah, this poor guy, every time something good happens to him, he just starts to get into wrestling. His dad dies. He just gets to the title, the top of the promotion. His brother gets paralyzed. Like, geez, poor dude. My, one of my favorite TV shows of all time is Prison Break, right? I love that show to no end. I don't know why it's shitty, but I love it. <laughs> but every episode ends in problems more problems and like this show had that similar energy where every episode ends on like a ah oh, shit more problems and then and now it's in the end it's like this is a pretty big problem yeah don't leave me hanging and then i did some extra research when we were preparing Ooh. for this what a nerd i love it found a couple of couple of fun trivia bits did you know Stephen amell broke his back in october 2020 performing a stunt for the very first episode of this show no, which would explain why it took so long. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, he broke his back. I was like, oh, my God. So full circle for this whole show. <gasps> he broke his back for the first episode. and Oh, they've blurred the lines of... Oh. Nice mind-blowing moment. This show can't end! And I know. Terrible. And then Kelly Berglund, who plays uh, Crystal. Yes. She put on 15 pounds of muscle for this role. Yeah, she's pretty jacked. But she's still tiny. Like, she must have been, she must have been real, real small. She must have been, like, an infant. That's Heels Season 2. Hopefully, there's more to come. Yeah, don't let's be serious about it. What would you give this in terms of a rating out of five? Oh, my heart of hearts wants to go a five because of all the emotion. Actually, no, fuck it. It's five. Like, mostly because of not just the quality of the show, but also from an, for me, that is backed by pure emotion, right? In terms of, I talked about the start of the start of this recording of like why I love it so much. And like, for that reason alone is what sways it. Everyone knows that reviews are inherently subjective. And my review of this show is super re- subjective because I love it so dearly because of A, I said it's respect to the business. It, introduced my partner to wrestling in a different way so she gets it more and she cares for it more now it created a nice bonding thing for us i was able to overcome some trauma through this show yeah i love it i love it very nice i gave this a four out of five just yet well yeah it's probably more of a reasonable if i wasn't being such a like a ah there were a few things that like just kind of grossed me out a bit um what were some of those little nitpicks? We kind of we've we've sung pretty positively for this whole recording. So, what are some of the things that you had an issue with? Just some of yeah, like you mentioned, sort of the soap opery act, acting moments. Like I love that shit. Though. There's a lot of moments where Stephen Amell, in particular, is trying to do something emotional. And I saw a tweet about it, and ever since I saw that, I can't unsee it now. When he's like trying to do emotional things, he, has to tell. he looks like up to the right. Yeah. And now he, every time I watch him, I'm like, oh, he's trying to do the emotional thing. And that, that pulls me out of it all the time. 
There's a bunch of actors that once you realize their tell, I forget who it was, but someone does like, whenever they're trying to like be emotive, they do these art di- eye darts. Ugh. So, and you go, oh, okay, you're trying to make me feel sad yep. because yeah. <laughs> yes. And I think some of St- like Stephen Amell's acting is like fine. And like, it's, uh, it's not awesome, but he does the get job done. So yeah, there are some moments I think from the soap opera standpoint that you mentioned, like there are moments where they're very clearly just monologuing. Mm-hmm. Like with season one felt very conversational a lot of the time. We're here in that soap opera nature. There were quite a lot of moments where no one speaks like that. Not not quite like in a Gilmore Girls way where everyone's like wit like crazy. Like, you know, when, you know, when Ace talks to his mom and has that sort of revelation, she's like, oh, and then like even there's moments when Willie and her partner were talking like the way they were lit was like one was really well lit one was really poorly lit but it was always it was delivered in such a way of like well i'm gonna talk and now you talk rather than conversational it was like here's my monologue your monologue and then it it felt more heavily written not that it was not badly written it's just more obviously written yes less sort of ad-libbing and making it feel natural yeah. Let's organic. And then there was a couple of moments where they were using clearly CGI, in particular in the final episode with the the crowd shots outside the Duffy Dome. Oh, yeah. That was, yeah. That was a lot of bodies. It's like, how many people are here? That's a WrestleMania crowd. That is a world record. Like, that's 84,000. Like, that's, that's a lot of bodies out there. Yeah. So there was, there was stuff like that that kind of just pulled me out of moments where I should have been, like, fully invested in the story do you think that's because once again we're talking about before about how we watched season one and went this isn't reflective of real wrestling because there's no way that a promotion of this size could run and then we see this and like that's an unreal that's an unreal crowd for promotion of this size do you think your awareness of wrestling is what hit that rather than the cg of it yeah probably like like the packed out duffy dome that was fine it was the like hundred thousand people outside the arena i was like what the hell because i even had the same moment when Stephen amell did the shooting star and like i could because when you see someone do it they don't pivot from the hips right it's kind of in your torso but because he was cabled up in order to do Mm -hmm. it like a stunt you see him pivot from the hips and i'm like oh that's just me but like i know that's me to anyone else that'd be fine but like i just saw where it was Yeah. yeah Because that center of gravity as you pull up is all from your torso. So there's a few moments that kind of pulled me out of it, which kind of dragged the overall score down. But still, at a four, I think it's a great watch. Like, great introduction to wrestling as well. So if you have someone with a passing interest. Yeah, I would would wonder if there's a conversion. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what the conversion is. But yeah, I, I think if you have someone that is kind of tangentially interested in like maybe getting into wrestling, that would be the way to sort of introduce them and like, Here's the story aspects of it. Here's the characters and it's less about the actual wrestling. And then once you get them hooked on that, then you can get them into the actual wrestling. And I think that's a really good point, right? Cause like I, cause I, I, I similar to yourself, like we love, we wear our wrestling love on our sleeves. You wear it on your shirt. Like I'm wearing a PlayStation shirt today, but normally there's some sort of wrestling attire, right? So like for that reason, I, I talk wrestling all the time. Cause it's my biggest passion outside of position and my son you know so like people go like well what is it you love about it and it's one of those moments where you try to explain it and it's really hard because you're like well there is nothing else like it you know it's it's movies and tv 
but it's not because it's a live show every week. It's a traveling show. It's theater, but it's not. It's stunts. It's all. It's always an action in all these action stunts, but it's not. Like it's all these different little things at once that no, there is nothing else in this world that can replicate all the little things that seamlessly come together into wrestling. And it's one of those moments where they tell stories, even though every story ends in "I'm gonna punch you," like which is inherently not how the world works because that's bad. But like you can still tell incredible emotion-fueled stories about overcoming adversity, friendship. You know, like I I swear by the story of Hangman Adam Page and his run at AEW and like his run to becoming champion. Like that is one of the most impressive stories to me personally, the most relatable stories to me as someone that's also full of self-doubt and anxiety and and all those things that he hit. Like I I bawled my eyes out when he won. Right, because it just, you know, and like, so it, it, explain that to someone they don't get it. So, but like, hopefully, this show can hit that middle ground and show people, like, you know, yeah, it's predetermined or fake or however you want to work it, but for the people in it, it's real. Like, we're channeling real characters and real emotion and real drive and story and passion and all these little details, and that's why we care about it so much. So if, if, even if there's like fucking two people that watch this and go, oh, I get it. Like that's the best case scenario, at least for me. Yeah. Like even, have you watched the wrestlers show on Netflix yet? No, it's like, I heard it's like a very interesting show. Yeah. So it's cool. But there's a moment where Al Snow talks about uh, the titles and like, yeah. yes, in wrestling, a title is kind of just a prop essentially. But also when a wrestler has to lose a title, it hurts like. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm not the the guy anymore. And even though it's a prop, it still like sucks to lose a, a championship. It's that validation for all the hard work that you've done. It, it, it's it's that, it is essentially a little medal on your shirt. Yeah, it's the gold star. Here's your gold star for the month. <laughs> You're our favorite. <laughs> but for those that have worked in the space, like you know, it could be a decade's worth of work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. Like, you know, once again, working in de- working in a deathmatch company. One of Australia's deathmatch leg- legends, Mad Dog, has never won a deathmatch title, ever. That's crazy. And he's one of the pioneers of it in this country. And um, I, that astounds me. But I've, I, I've never asked him. But I think it's one of those things where, like, for him, it doesn't matter. Like, for what, what I do outlives that. But for some, it's like, well, I've... Look, obviously, titles mean a lot. You've got three of them behind you. Yeah, uh, there's four. There's, a, there's one down the bottom, too. Oh, hello, down the bottom. The, the sneaky spinners down the bottom. <laughs> you know and it's one of those things where like they, they are props but they mean something powerful it's like it's like a for those like sports it's like hey you got the grand final cup thing yeah like 10 years down the line like i still got that as something to show like hey look what i did back here it's one of those things i never understood sports until i got into wrestling and then i went oh i get it now because i used to grow up I, I was never a sports guy i grew up thinking sports are dumb why do you know all the all the players and their numbers and their bullshit and someone's like can you tell me about this my like, oh yeah give me a second all right let's go I'm like, oh oh i just did that oh, okay cool yeah no i get it and like that sense of community and all those different things. yeah they're like who won the wwe title in this year and you're like oh yeah this guy did this and he beat this guy and this this happens like oh okay i'm that guy yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was a great chat about Heels Season 2. Yeah, I didn't shut, like, was this an hour and 15? I didn't shut up for about an hour and five of that. So I'm really glad I let you talk for about 10 minutes, Jamie. But uh, we'll see if we get Season 3. But 
Thank you, everyone, for listening to the commentary booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on podcast services and on YouTube. You can follow Ryan on Instagram at the Pop Culturists. Anything special coming up for you guys? Uh, yeah, if, if you want to follow me over on uh, Twitter, it's at HaggardMC, H-A-G-G-A-R-D-M-C. Uh, in terms of the pop, the pop culturist, the Pop C, uh, each week we have a PlayStation-themed podcast called For the Players. Uh, we've got packs coming up, so there'll be good stuff coming out of there. Spider-Man's a big game. But if you want to talk wrestling, though, if you want if you are based around the Victoria Victorian state, uh, you can find me at Deathmatch Down Under. I do commentary there. You'll find me at MXW. Uh, you'll find me at Adrenaline Pro Wrestling over in CIFA. I do commentary there as well. And I work uh, ring crew slash whatever Mikey wants me to do uh, over at Renegades of Wrestling. So you can see me at a bunch of promotions. Uh, I've meant through one, two, three of the four uh, on IWTV. So you can see me, you can hear me chat over there if you're in, if you're into that sort of stuff um yeah and what's renegades is on fight renegades is awesome all those promotions are awesome but yes if you if you see if you happen to be a, a viewer of of this show and jamie's work or jamie's cards which all the minor here oh very nice because i'm trying to find i i've uh, i'm trying to find a cool way to display them all so i'm like all right what do you do and i'm also shamelessly going to get my friends to sign them all um <laughs> yeah the display part is the hard part yeah I've just got them in the folder. No, because I want them on my wall. Because I want want people to come into my house and go, you're a fucking nerd. (laughs) You're a dork. I'm like, yes, I am. Check this out. That's what I sort of want. But yes, if you're around the Victorian wrestling scene, you see me, come say, hey, super down to chat. Perfect. All right. And you can follow me on social media at Jamie Ups Media and at Pario Magazine. Thanks, Ryan, for jumping on the show. And we will hopefully in a year or two come back and chat. Season three, fingers crossed. If not, I'll heel turn. I'll get real mad. I'm sure we'll find some other random wrestling crossover to chat about at some point. Find some. The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Pario Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Apps.